Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of 1 Peter. The, first, the book of 1 Peter in chapter number 1. We're in our Sunday school series right now with 1 Peter of strengthening the brethren with the idea that 1 Peter is written as people are starting to suffer some persecution but a major persecution is right around the corner and with the idea that now is the time to live like a Christian. Now is the time to start being obedient to the Lord because soon when the persecution happens, it is going to be hard to live like a Christian or start to live like a Christian when it becomes impossible. Like if the Bible was outlawed, would you still be willing to read the Bible if it was outlawed? If you were told that you could no longer attend a church, if people are not in the habit of attending to church, that law doesn't bother them. But if you love the Lord and you love the things that the Lord loves, then it would bother you and you would want to go. You understand he's trying to strengthening the brethren to help them to live like a Christian now before these things occur. And so now we found our way to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 and we're now the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 10. If you wouldn't mind to look with me in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, the word of God says this. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. When it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. Notice that last phrase, the things the angels desire to look into. The things that angels desire to look into. And with this, we're going to see the desire of angels with the idea of strengthening our understanding. That we need to be strengthened in understanding. Now we know that angels are real. They are created beings. The Bible speaks quite a bit about them. God had created them and according to the book of <coughs> excuse me, according to the book of Hebrews that they were there to be ministering spirits unto those who are saved. We're thankful for them. But here it gives something interesting about the angels. The emphasis of scripture is not on the angels, but it's on Christ. But it is saying that it is something that the angels desire to look into. I want you to think of something, and we'll bring it together in a second. But there is a type of shopping that a lot of people seem to enjoy called window shopping. And that if you don't have a lot of money and you're very poor, that sometimes that's the only shopping you can do. And some people enjoy it. They go window to window and they look at all the things. They go to the store and look at all the things they can't buy. And they 
examine it. They look at it. But the one thing, because they haven't purchased it, they can't experience it. The angels, when it concerns salvation, all they can do is examine it. They cannot experience it. And with this, if you think of that, this is something that the angels desire to look into. All they could do is window shop. What is it that they can only window shop, but we can experience? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Now, when it comes to spiritual things, there are some people who have examined things, but they've never experienced those things. There are some intellectual professors who could study the Bible and get intellectual things out of it, but they've never experienced what the Bible has to say for themselves. There's a Bible verse in the book of Psalms that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. When it talks about taste and see, it's not talking about that you're literally eating God. But it's talking about that you are experiencing God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Experience for yourself that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. The one thing about the Christian experience for all of us is that Jesus is real. And you can experience him for himself. There is an eternity of difference between a head knowledge and a heart knowledge of God. That there are some people who profess Christ without possessing Christ. Here are the angels. They can never experience salvation, especially as it's talking about those angels, because they're up in heaven. They're working for God. They're perfect. They have to obey God. But we are fallen creatures who've turned away from God, who've rebelled against God, who once said, God, I won't have you rule over me. And yet Christ died on the cross for your sins and for mine. And he offered forgiveness for us, full, free, and forever, that we can experience him for ourselves. You understand the Christian life is not about window shopping. It's about being able to experience it for yourself. So if you don't mind, let's examine this passage more and let's look at this desire of angels and let us strengthen ourselves in our understanding about how important it is that we experience what Christ has to offer rather than just examine it. If you don't mind, the first thing I'd like to show you here is that the history of the world centers at the cross. The history of the world centers on the cross. Notice, if you don't mind, as we pick it up in verse number 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Who prophesied of the grace that shall come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand. Here we could see that the prophets of old, if you go back and look at a Daniel, you look at a David. Think about David. David who wrote Psalm 22. Psalm 22 explains what Jesus felt on the cross emotionally. It goes to the idea of the cross from Christ's perspective 1,000 years before it historically was done. Can you imagine when David was writing this down and saying, 
I understand that God is using my experiences, but there's something more to this. I wonder what all this means. The death of the cross had not been invented yet. And yet David is writing about this. And he's writing about it in detail. So many times when the prophets are writing about Christ and they're telling about what Jesus Christ is going to do, they're experiencing it. They're trying to figure out. They know Christ is in them. It talks about that here. That the spirit that's in them, they're saved. They know Christ is their Savior. They're believing God's promises. But they don't understand all of it falls out. The one thing about the Old Testament saints is that they were saved the same way that you and I were. By faith through grace. We just have more information than what they do. They just trusted in God's promises. We have the fulfilled revelation. We have it opened up. We could see historically what happened. But they just had the pieces of the Bible and what God promised. And they trusted in those promises. But they searched through them. Even Daniel. In Daniel chapter 12. He says, God, you've given me all kinds of revelation. What does this mean? And God says, just write it down. You don't need to worry about it. Okay. Thank you. He says, it'll come clear later on. A lot of the Old Testament saints, the prophets, they didn't understand. But everything in history is leading to one event. I love history. Most of you know that. And to study history, whether it's secular history, Bible history, ancient history, everything leads to one event. The cross of Jesus Christ. Then from that, all of history flows from that event. The cross of Jesus Christ. All of history was going towards that. It is centered on the cross. Why is that so important? For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. You see the cross was not just for a certain group of people. It wasn't for a select group of people. It was for the entire world. This is why all of world history leads to this. Because it was an event that just didn't affect the Hebrew people. It was an event that just didn't happen future Christian people. This is an event that affected the entire world. That anyone, it doesn't matter where you're from. You could be from China and you could experience for yourself the salvation that Christ offered you because of the cross of Calvary. You could be in India And you can experience the forgiveness that God offered you because of the cross of Calvary. Everything led to this event. All of history is centered on this fact here. And that the Old Testament saints, they looked forward to the cross. We as New Testament saints look backwards at history at the cross. And we're thankful because of that event. It affects us here today. That the first thing we understand is we're trying to get understanding of what the angels study and what we could experience for ourselves. Is that history of the world centers on the cross. There's a second thing I'd like to show you here. That is the message of Jesus Christ is the message of the Bible. The message of Jesus Christ is the message of the Bible. Now I'd already mentioned here that the Old Testament saints, they wanted to study about Christ. Notice with me in verse 10. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand, notice this, of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that shall follow. 
inside of the Bible, we have what we call God's unfolding drama of redemption. And that, what do we mean by that? What that means is that you can trace a scarlet thread from the very beginning of the Bible and see it woven all throughout the pages of Scripture, all the way to the last book of Bible. What is this scarlet thread? It's the scarlet thread of redemption, of Jesus Christ paying the price for your sins and for mine. And it is woven through the entirety of the Scriptures. It's a fascinating study. In fact, if you want to be like the saints who were diligently inquiring, I dare you to start from the beginning of the Bible one year. And start tracing that scarlet thread for yourself. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And you know what God did? Genesis 3.15 gave the first promise of a redeemer. That you see that scarlet thread. As it goes on, you could see that scarlet thread. Even in Adam and Eve, they had made their own clothes of righteousness. Of fig leaves. And God provided an animal that died because of their sin, for the wages of sin is death. And he clothed them himself. And that's what God did. You trace through the scripture. You go through Noah's ark. And you could see that God called from inside of the ark, come unto me. Where was God? He was inside of the ark. And they got their rescue from being inside the ark with God. God had provided a way of escape from a certain death that was to affect the rest of the world. You go through and see this scarlet thread woven through the pages of Scripture. Even when you see the scarlet thread literally, as Rahab the harlot stood in the walls of Jericho, knowing that her people were sentenced to death, and they received the promise that if you hang this scarlet thread outside of your window, anyone that's inside of the house with you will not perish. They trusted in God's promise and had the scarlet thread hanging out. You go through all of the scripture and you can see it woven in. What is the message of the Bible? Jesus Christ and his sufferings. Why did Jesus suffer? Because of your sins and for mine. For the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This scarlet thread of redemption. But you know there's another thread. Notice again with me in verse number 11. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand of the suffering of Christ. Here's that scarlet thread of redemption. And... The glory that shall follow. You know, there's another theme that's found throughout the Bible. Not only the scarlet thread of redemption, but the golden strand of Christ's second coming. That Jesus Christ is coming again. Now, we don't know all the details, but the Bible gives us quite a bit. And it does say that he's coming again. His glory that shall follow. That Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign on this earth. Do you know that outside of the tabernacle and temple, the subject most mentioned in the Bible more than any other, except for the tabernacle and temple, is the millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign of Christ. And if we are going to study diligently with the prophets, then we must place the emphasis where God placed the emphasis. On Jesus Christ coming. And he's going to rule and reign again. You know, even so, 
people like to study the things surrounding the second coming of Jesus Christ rather than study the Christ of the second coming. He's the one we're looking for. We're not looking for signs and wonders. We're not expecting an antichrist. We are looking for the Christ who is coming back to fulfill his promises. And as you go back to the Old Testament, you say, what does the Old Testament have to do? The Old Testament speaks quite a bit about Jesus Christ coming and his promises to his people that he will fulfill. And you could trace that golden strand from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end. So one year you may want to take a time where you trace that scarlet thread as it's woven in scriptures. Oh, the next year, if you want to study diligently, go trace that golden strand of Christ's second coming. This is the message of the Bible. What do both of those have in common? Christ. 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 He is the message of the word of God. He is the one we're looking for. He's the one we're looking for for salvation. And then once we're saved, he is the hope that we're looking for. He is that blessed hope that he is going to do what he said he was going to do in establishing his kingdom on this earth. And we get to rule and reign with him. What a wonderful thing to look forward to. This is something that is worth the diligent study like the prophets of old did. We had to study it for ourselves. Why? Because we don't want to just window shop. We want to experience it for ourselves. We want to understand what Christ and his plan is here on this earth for today and for tomorrow. The message of Jesus Christ is the message of the Bible. There's a third thing I'd like to show you here. And that is the theme of our lives should always be the Lord Jesus Christ. The theme of our lives should always be the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice with me in verse number 12. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which the things angels desire to look into. What we see here is the Holy Ghost that is sent from heaven. Our message is the gospel of Jesus Christ, but our message is given with the Holy Ghost power. As you study the Holy Ghost in the scriptures, you notice that the Holy Spirit has one main purpose, and that's to exalt Christ. And that if we are people that are dead to self, that we're emptied of ourselves and filled with God's Spirit, you want to know what our message is going to be? Jesus Christ. You know, that one of the characteristics of a Spirit-filled man, especially if you study the life of Stephen in Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7, is that his life is a life that is full of Jesus Christ. His message is one of Jesus Christ. You understand, it all begins with God. It all ends with God. God is the goal. And then if we are going to be Spirit-filled people, then our message of our life will be Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Ghost, its purpose is to exalt Jesus Christ. This should be the message of our life. This should be the theme of our life. That Jesus Christ has saved me and he can save you. That Jesus Christ is coming back. He is my hope. Also, because Jesus Christ is the center of your message and because he's your hope, that should make us hopeful people. Christians should be characterized as people who are hope 
full. You know, today we're starting to see what people are truly like. There's something about a sponge. If you take a sponge and you squeeze it, what came out of it is what was in it. And when God puts pressure on people, we see what comes out. You get to see what's really inside. That's why God puts the pressure in sometimes so we can see for ourselves. And we've had a lot of pressures in our world the last couple years. We have a lot of things that is squeezed. And what you've seen is what's been inside of people. Even people who profess Christ, you've seen what's squeezed and see that they're not a very hopeful people. The Bible speaks about that God has not given us the spirit of fear. But you know one of the things he gave us? Was sound mind. That word sound means healthy. A healthy mind. That I have a healthy mind. I'm a hopeful person. You know, when we understand that God is the theme of our life and that it all begins with God, it all ends with God, that God is the goal, we also understand that God is in control. That God is always good and God is always right. He is always good and always right. And yet we see so many people who say, well, I guess it works. But you know, if you think God is always good, you could rejoice in all things. This is why God gave us a commandment to be thankful for all things. Why? Because God is always good and God is always right. I have to have surgery. God is still good and God is still right. Oh, I'm hurting bad today. But God is still good and God is still right. You know, just because you're hurting doesn't mean you have to be grumpy about it. We could be hopeful people because of who Jesus Christ is. If Jesus is the theme of our life, then as a result, we are hopeful people. Again, you could tell what's inside of a person when that sponge is squeezed. When that sponge is squeezed, are you coming out hopeful? You say, how can I be hopeful with everything going on? By putting our trust in Christ. By experiencing Christ for ourselves. You know, the Bible t- speaks about a couple times, the book of Hebrews, talking about apostates and talking about how they left us. Well, why do people leave in the midst of hard times? Because there's one thing about professing Christ, another thing about experiencing Christ. There's one thing about window shopping and examining and studying the things and knowing the answers that other Christians say. There's another thing for knowing Him for yourself. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. A person of the Holy Spirit is something that we should experience in our own life. To see God for ourselves. To experience Him for ourselves. To put Him to the test and see that He is always faithful. That He is always good and that He is always right. He should be the message. Not only the Bible. Not only the message of history. But it should be the message of our life. Is that the type of life that you live? Are you a hopeful person? Because you could put your trust in Christ. No matter what things happen. Your tire blows as your first response to kick that stupid car for letting you down. Or are you able to say, God is still good and God is still right. I can trust him. 
you'd be surprised how many times that God interrupts your path because he wants you to show that hope that Christ has. To point people to Christ for yourself to others. The wonderful thing about the Christian life is that people can see what you're trusting on. The one thing about the Christian life is that God never promised us a bed of roses. Not in the cards. In fact, he did give you a promise. Here's a promise. Here's a good one. Yea, all that live godly shall suffer persecution. There's a promise for you to enjoy. You know what? God promised you that you should actually have more problems as you serve God. You say, well, that's not very encouraging. Oh, yeah. But listen, when that sponge is squeezed, what comes out? Others can see as well. And if you're truly trusting Christ and things start happening to you, people around you start noticing. They're not responding like everyone else. If I was in that situation, I'd be so grumpy. I'd be so miserable. Why aren't you? Many of you have heard the testimony. Maybe not. It's been a while since I've told the story. Um, <laughs> right after the Air Force, I had switched over still in the medical career field and I was working for retirement homes and I was paid by a lab company to go to 250 different retirement homes in Phoenix. It's a lot. And my job was to go up there and draw their blood. And my job would start at two o'clock in the morning. And so I'd have to go and draw blood and work with people. And there was a male nurse that would be in several of the retirement homes and he would purposely go and see me and ask me the question, how were you doing at two o'clock in the morning? Because he wanted to see how I was going to respond. And of course, my answer was, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And he would be so confused and befuddled. How in the world can anyone be blessed at two o'clock in the morning? It's impossible. And he would actually go search me out. If I didn't see him and he knew I was there, he'd go find me just to ask the question. By the way, why was he searching out? Because he wanted to know what was different. What was so different about no matter what, this guy is still saying he's blessed with a smile on his face at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's not right. There's something wrong with this. Well, there came a time after several months of this we had a revival meeting with Brother Summerdorf, and I invited him. You need to come here, Brother Summerdorf. He'll be a help. It's a good strength in your home. And he would say, you know, my home, my, my wife, we're doing fine. We're doing, we don't need that, but maybe we'll show up sometime. Well, right after the revival meeting, of course, it's right after. Brother Summerdorf left. He came and said, you know what? Is that meeting still going on? My wife and I could use some strengthening. Well, he he. Uh, <coughs> He's already gone, but I would be glad to talk to you and your wife and try to be a blessing. Well, to be honest, I think she's leaving me. I, I, could you come? Could you come today? Sure. We set an appointment and I called my wife at seven in the morning when she was able to wake up and tell her about the appointment and say, all right, pray because he's not saved. I'm looking forward to try to have that meeting with him. And uh, 8 o'clock, he called me and said, never mind. She's already packed her bags. It's already too late. I said, it's not too late. Let me keep the appointment anyways, and let's see what happens. He says, okay. Well, it was a dark and stormy night in Phoenix when my pastor and I showed up. By the way, my wife got home, and instead of going to sleep, we just got on our faces, and we prayed for this family. We prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. My pastor and I showed up. He says, well, my wife's locked herself in the room and says she doesn't want to see any preachers. I, she says, no, nothing you could say could change it at all. Okay, well, can I sit down and talk with you? 
Well, I guess. Well, it wasn't a couple of minutes before she came downstairs too. And we had the privilege of taking the Bible and opening up the Bible and tell them that they were sinners. And because of their sins that they had offended a holy, righteous God. But then we had the privilege of showing them that Jesus saved them and died on the cross for them. And that they must personally accept Christ as their Savior. And both of them bowed their head and accepted Christ as their Savior. Oh, and that was just the beginning of it. They got saved and they started coming to church. And he started to learn a little bit more. But didn't necessarily wave a magic wand and fix the marriage. And so we would work with them. We started doing discipleship with them and working with them. One day we got a call and said, hey, my wife and I are having problems. Uh, she jumped out of the car because I wouldn't stop. Okay, well, we'll go work on this. And we would go work on them. Then it was discovered he was a male nurse and he kept taking the patient's drugs and taking it for himself. Well, that's something we have to take care of. We ended up sending them to a roll-off home, which is a home where they take drug addicts and troubled people and they put them on a work schedule and teach them the Word of God. And he became one of their representatives. And whenever he gives his testimony as he's traveling around the country today, he always starts, it all began with a man at 2 o'clock in the morning that said, I'm blessed. And it made me think he had something different that I didn't have. Now, of course, I'm not trying to brag on myself. What I want to do is brag to Christ. It's him. It's him. And by the way, people are watching you. And they're watching when things go wrong in your life. They're watching as things fall apart on you. Because you have bad things happen to you. You're not guaranteed a bed of roses. But what God is doing is allowing you in those situations so he could squeeze you in front of them to see what comes out. And what squeezes out is what you are trusting, your hope. Are you someone who's squeezed out and have nothing but fear and what's going to happen? Or what's squeezed out faith that God is always good and God is always right? What I'm trying to encourage you is that there's a difference between window shopping and going in the store and buying it and having it for yourself. There's a difference between examining it from the outside and experiencing it in the inside. The angels, they could window shop. But we have the privilege of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good for ourselves, That we can trust it for ourselves. This is the message of history. This is the message of the Bible. And it should be the message of our life. That it's all about Jesus. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, 
please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.